And you guys, Kid City is open today, all the way up to grade six. That is, I mean, that's worth a clap if you guys got one in you. Um, we're so excited uh, to, to have Kid City open. Um, again, let me ask you a question. Does anybody in here know who Robert Ross was? Or Bob Ross, right? Uh, it was his birthday this week. He's, he's passed, but it was his birthday this week. And so my 11-year-old son, Justice, uh, chose to dress as him for Halloween this week. And uh, do we have a picture of that, possibly? We don't. Oh, I thought we were going to have that up there. Oh, yes. It, the resemblance is uncanny, isn't it, right? Like, like that, I was very impressed. Now, Justice only knows who Bob Ross is because of memes and YouTube, uh, but I know who Bob Ross was because I grew up watching him like many of us on PBS. And the man somehow reflected like kindness and patience and inclusiveness in a way that was really quite simple and yet very powerful. Uh, Justice has been walking around the house all week practicing his Bob Ross impression, saying things like, we don't make mistakes, just happy little accidents. Um, <laughs> And he said, this, this would be a nice place for a little squirrel to live. And, you know, he's, he's, he's done a good job. And Bob did some, Bob had a way of making a really difficult thing look kind of effortless, right? Painting. Uh, I cannot paint. Uh, I can't even draw. My writing is atrocious. There's no hope for me when it comes to painting. In fact, we learned um, that I was colorblind as a child when I came home from school and I had drawn a Christmas tree and I had drawn the, colored the tree in brown. Uh, I thought trees were brown. And my mom said, why do you keep drawing dead Christmas trees? And uh, that's how we discovered I, I could never be an artist. Um, I'm always inspired by artists, though, right? What they do is always very impressive. And so someone like my mom, who can turn a blank canvas into a work of art, or somebody like Chris Yarkey, who can string together different notes and write an original song, or even somebody like Drew Wilson, who takes, like, deadfall from the woods and, like, adds epoxy and turns it into a work of art. These people are impress me. And, you know, I can put words together to form a sentence but I'm always in awe of someone who can take a raw material, a, a single idea, and turn it into something real, something you can hold or touch, something you can see or hear. And there always, you might agree with me on this, uh, seems to be a bit of the artist in the thing that they create, right? Like a, like a reflection of them in the, uh, and what they've made. And it's always there, whether it's maybe a style or a theme, or a signature. The artist is almost always reflected somehow in the work. And the truth is, you may know this, that God is a bit of an artist himself. He took his time placing the stars in the sky, and he pulled the mountains from the earth, and he laid out the rivers that flow between them. He causes the waves to crash upon the beaches and orchestrates the colors of the changing seasons. All of creation is God's canvas. He is, in many ways, the great artist. And just like when you and I create something and leave a little piece of ourselves in the thing we created, God, too, has left a piece of himself reflected in creation. And it's you, and it's me. 
We are the reflection of our Creator. And just as like the moon is a dim reflection of the sun, right? Without the sun, the moon would be, you wouldn't see it. Just like the moon is a dim reflection of the sun, so we too are a reflection of our Creator. And when Moses wrote down the story of creation, of God's great masterpiece, he told us, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And this doesn't mean that you and I look like God uh, physically, but it means that we were made to be like him, to be different than God, but to reflect him in a new and creative way. And as I have grown in my faith these past years, uh, I have thought about this idea a lot. What is the thing in me that makes me reflect my Creator best? What is the thing He put in me that made Him step back and say, I do good work? And I have come to the conclusion that the thing that makes us most like God, the thing that makes uh, us most like our Creator, was that he put in us the capacity and propensity to love. When we love, we best reflect our Creator to the world around us, just like those 20 people just said, God is love. In the beginning, God created us in his image, right? That's Genesis 1, 1, uh, chapter 1 and 2 that tells us that. But then something happened. Right? We were made in the image of God, but we chose to rebel, to hurt each other, to lie to each other, to hate each other. The reflection of God in mankind grew dimmer and dimmer as each day passed. And it got to the point where God chose to intervene. God chose to set up a way for mankind to make things right, for us to be able to make a path to return to our original created purpose. And one of the ways he did this was by introducing the Ten Commandments to the nation of Israel. Uh, We joked about this in our starting point group on Wednesday, that there are only Ten Commandments, and I bet you none of us know all ten. Right? Maybe two? Maybe three? If there's somebody who knows all ten in the room, uh, Brune probably knows all ten. Brune doesn't count. If you knew all ten, man, you're better than me. I I had to look them up this week. Isn't that terrible? There's only ten, but they're so hard to remember. Um, We can't even begin to imagine the world, the the type of world that these ten commandments were introduced into, right? We know some of them don't uh, don't covet your neighbor's wife, don't commit adultery, don't murder, uh, you know, don't steal. These are really simple ideas. The ancient world that they were introduced into, these were brand new ideas. Uh, you and I would be so offended uh, at the things that people thought were normal and acceptable at this point in history. Women, children, they had no rights. If you saw something you wanted, you took it. If you saw someone you wanted, you took them too. People were expendable, and most people were one bad day away from becoming a slave or having their life taken by somebody who wanted something that was theirs. The Ten Commandments were a primitive set of laws for an ancient world. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't take something 
that's not yours. Things that we nobody even disputes anymore, they come so naturally to us. But this new code of morals, when it was given, was a new wave of thinking in the ancient world. And for the people of Israel, the Ten Commandments kind of evolved uh, over the years, and they sort of became a table of contents for a whole host of new rules. Uh, more rules were added as time went on, more laws to follow, uh, things that you shouldn't do and things that you should do. The list continued to grow bigger and bigger. And eventually, this is, this is the hilarious part, is that eventually rules were added to prevent you from breaking the important rules, right? And then rules were added to prevent you from breaking the rule that was created to prevent you from breaking the important rule, right? They send up all these redundant rules to protect you from breaking the important rules. And by the time Jesus showed up uh, a couple of thousand years later after the Ten Commandments, those Ten Commandments had ballooned into over six hundred different laws and rules to follow i mean you and i we struggle to remember 10 you know we would have no luck remembering over 600 rules and the problem with having 600 rules or laws is that you're not going to be able to follow all of them you're probably going to start picking and choosing which ones you think are important and which you don't think are important and that is exactly what started happening and people would ignore the rules that were hard to follow and go to the rules that were easy to follow. And every once in a while, I'm reminded that this is kind of what it's like being like a kid these days. Um, you are constantly learning new things, new ideas, new limits that you have to put into your life. Uh, you have to brush your teeth every day. You have to put on socks every day. You have to clean your room and do your homework. And there's a thousand things for our kids to remember. And most of it is new. A new thing is being added to their lives all the time. And I got to tell you guys, I'm an adult and I still have a recurring nightmare of being in high school and taking a test that I was not prepared for. Honestly, it, it happens regularly. I have this uh, this this dream nightmare and we had parent teacher interviews this week uh, with our kids and my kids know how I feel about parent teacher interviews it's it's okay for them to get a few bad grades and it's okay if their teacher tells me they need to work on their reading or they need to work on their math skills those are things that we can fix the thing I want to hear from the teachers my kids know the most important words I need to hear them say is that your child is kind to the other kids in the class and he respects and is kind to the staff at the school there is a lot that my kids need to remember to do when they go to school but there is one thing we have taught them they cannot forget to do and that is to be kind lots of rules turned into one important rule and jesus thought like this too a man actually a lawyer uh, was trying to catch Jesus in like this catch-22 moment, trying to make him stumble in front of people. Uh, he was a lawyer, and so he knew those 600 laws and rules better than anybody. And he comes to Jesus, and he asks Jesus, of all the rules, of all the laws that we're supposed to follow, which is the greatest of them all? And what Jesus says next is kind of changes everything. It is a moment in history where we're going this way and then suddenly we start to go this way. 
Which is the most important commandment? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul, with all of your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment. And the lawyer, he was expecting this. This was the cookie-cutter answer. And nobody was shocked when Jesus said this. But Jesus didn't stop. He continued, And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And you guys, people smarter than me, people much smarter than me, have looked at the original Greek uh, manuscripts where this was originally written down, and they tell us, the people who know uh, these original languages, they tell us that when Jesus said, and the second is like it, he's not saying that it's second in importance, he's just saying it's second in order but it is equally as important as the first commandment. They are not just one and then the next. They are equal commandments. Loving your neighbor is just as important as loving God. Jesus just summed up all of the law, all the things that the prophets had said in the last 2,000 years into two very simple commands. Love God, love neighbor. From complex to simple, from confusing to concise, from 600 to two. You see, 600 is hard. Two is a whole lot easier to remember. But Jesus wasn't finished there. And later in his life, Jesus would, find, uh, would take this idea one step further. He was with his disciples, the, the, the people who he had spent the last three years of his life with in ministry, and they had been through all the ups and downs together, uh, and they had mostly stuck through it all together. And he had taught them everything he, he could, all the parables, all the lessons, all the things. He taught them so much, but he knew very soon that he was going to be arrested. And he knew very soon that he was going to carry a cross up a hill and give his life for humanity. So you need to remember this. A new command I give you. Love one another. And Jesus is saying, yeah, yeah don't, don't lie, right? That's, that's not great, but just remember to love one another. Yeah, you don't murder, that's not great, but all you need to remember is love one another. Yes, yes don't steal from each other, but just remember, love one another. All of the law, and the prophets, what they said, distilled into one simple rule. Love one another. Now, we do a six-week course here at Fort City called Irresistible. Uh, we do it twice a year. And it's created by this guy, Andy Stanley, which, man, I'm stealing all of his ideas today. None of this is original. Uh, and it's, it's the ideas from this study that I'm sharing today. And... Uh, and he suggests that much of the instruction given in the New Testament after the Gospels uh, is a instructions, it's the, the, the writers trying to take this love one another statement and tell us actually how to do it. And, and Andy tells us that how to live a godly life can be answered by one simple question. One thing that you can remember to ask in every situation. And he says that question is, what does love require of me in whatever situation you find yourself in you can ask this question 
What does love require of me? And whatever that answer is, you can know that you're doing the thing that Jesus said to do. So do you have a lazy coworker who is taking the credit for all of your work? My wife sits right next to me. I'm sure she feels like that about me sometimes. What does love require of you? Do you have a good friend who is throwing their life away on on drugs and alcohol? What does love require of you? Do you have a neighbor who shovels their snow onto your side of the driveway? What does love require of you? When you love your neighbor, when you honor the reflection of your Creator in them, You are loving God Himself. Neighbor love is equal to God love. Justice is getting into the grade now where they're starting to teach him uh, algebra in school. And uh, you guys, he is only in grade 7 and I cannot help him with his homework anymore. Um, Honestly, I'm hopeless uh, in in trying to help him. This new math thing, I'm blaming it on that. The truth is, when I was in high school, I failed every math class I ever took. Uh, I would take math in grade 10 the first semester, fail it, pass it in the second semester. I did the same thing in grade 11. I did the same thing in grade 12. I failed every math class I ever took the first time. Uh, And Adrian and I met uh, in grade 10, and we had a math class together. And she is very good at math. And she, you know, she had her eye on me first. And, uh, and she would come to my desk when we're working on stuff, and she'd ask for help with her math, right? And here's a pretty girl standing at my desk asking me for help. I can't tell her I don't know what I'm doing. And so I would help her, and, uh, and it was fine, and we'd flirt a bit. And she'd go, years later, she would tell me she would go back to her desk and use her big eraser and erase all of my help, right? Uh, I did not, I was not very helpful, um, So Justice is learning this stuff now, right? This stuff that I couldn't do then. There's no way I'm going to be able to help him do it now. And they want the the way it works is they show you the answer, right? And then you have to figure out the problem. They show you the answer, and then you have to show your work for how you get to that answer. They give you the answer. You have to show your work. And that's what happened when Jesus told us to love one another. He gave us the answer, right? It's the answer to the question. And it's up to you and I to show our work. It's up to us to figure out what it actually means in real life to love one another. And lucky for us, the writers of the New Testament, guys like John and Peter who spent a ton of time with Jesus, guys like James who was the brother of Jesus, and guys like Paul who knew all the people who knew Jesus, these guys spent time trying to show their work so we would know what it means to love one another. And I'm just going to list off a few. I think we're going to put them up on the screen. Let's look at what what they showed, how they showed their work. Paul told us to love one another means to honor one another. He told us to accept one another. We are told to bear with one another. We can all think of someone that it's difficult to bear with, to forgive one another. James, the brother of Jesus, told us 
to pray for one another. We are to encourage one another, to warn one another, right? To stop gossiping about one another, to not be fake with one another, to carry one another. Luke tells us that love is sharing each other's possessions. Well, I don't like that one. And finally, Paul tells us to submit to each other. Jesus gave the answer. And these guys are helping us to understand how to show our work, how to love one another. And here, here's the thing. And, and this, you know, we all kind of know that we're supposed to love our neighbors, right? That's kind of a, a central theme of what it means to be a Christian. And here's, here's the thing. This, this is a point I really want to make today is that you cannot love one another without another. You cannot love in a vacuum. You cannot do this alone. And the good news is you aren't meant to. You know, when we go all the way back to the beginning of what we talked about today, all the way back to when God created us, there's something important that we should not miss. After God made man, he knew it wasn't good for him to be alone. He knew man needed someone to share his life with. Someone, get this, someone other than God to express his love to. Right from the very beginning, God declared it was not good for mankind to be alone. You and I, in this room, and all the people watching online, you and I, we need each other. We are better together. We are stronger together. And we are more whole when we share our lives with each other. We cannot love one another without each other. This is the way God designed us. And, and, and guys, this is why we think that our kids need kids city so bad sure it's to learn how to pray and it's to learn that jesus wants to walk through their lives with them but it's also so that they can learn to be a part of a community that loves one another it's why we have community groups that meet during the week in person and online it's to create environments where you can develop deep connections with other people so that when you're sick Somebody will know and be able to take care of you. When you are lonely, somebody will know and they'll be able to connect with you and try to make you feel better. And it's why we invite you to volunteer, to serve on a team. It's not just so we can fill a spot on a roster. It's us creating an environment where you can do something important with other people and develop deep connections, meaningful relationships. We cannot love one another without each other and if there's anything that the last seven months of isolation has taught me it's that we desperately need each other (laughs) i'm not always very good uh, at creating uh, fostering deep friendships Um, i enjoy talking to all hundred of you at one time Uh, but if we move to a one-on-one conversation i'm not as good at that it's unnatural for me um i have to work on it and thankfully i have friends that are good at it uh people like matt and steph and dulcie who will text me at 10 o'clock at night 
after I'm already in bed and invite me over to sit around a fire with them. You guys, it's really annoying sometimes. But I need them in my life. Seven out of ten times I tell them I'm not getting out of bed, but those three out of ten times that I get out of bed and go over to their house, those relationships are life-giving to me. Deciding to commit yourself to getting involved in other people's lives is one of the most important decisions that you can make. To stepping out of your comfort zone, sharing your life with someone is so important. We were made for each other, and we are better together. As I close this morning, I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. We're going to take communion together. But i got to tell you guys, when we say join a group, you might be the person who thinks, I don't need that. i got to tell you, you are the exact person who we think should join a group. When we say join a team, you might be the person who says, I don't have enough time, but you are the person with the time that is the most important. When we say Kid City is important for our kids, you might think that's one too many bubbles right now for your kid to be in, but let me tell you, it might just be the most important bubble for your kid to be in. These are not environments that we create to increase our attendance or check something off a list. We create these environments because we think they have the power to change your life. Because we know that God made us for each other. And it is only together that we will thrive. Because we cannot love one another without each other. Let's take a second to pray. Jesus, this morning we thank you that at the moment of creation you had a design for our lives. That you are the great artist who chose to make us reflecting your image to the world around us. And Jesus, I pray, I pray that you would teach us what it means to love one another. That you would help us to answer that question in our daily lives, to ask that question, what does love require of me? And Jesus, I ask your Holy Spirit, it's hard to remember those things. And Jesus, we ask in those moments where we need that question the most, remind us of it. Bring it to mind. What does love require of me? And Jesus, today I pray for anybody who feels disconnected, who feels uh, lost, who feels uh, like they don't have deep and meaningful relationships in their life. Jesus, help those people to take the next steps that are required to find those relationships. Draw people to the environments that we've created where they can join a team or join a group, where they can serve and discover what it means to share their lives with another. Jesus, I pray that as we go into these moments of communion, uh, that Jesus, that we will be united to you in a mysterious and powerful way, and that in the same way we'd be united and joined with each other. I pray this in the holiest of names. Amen.